You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek Podcast. This episode presented by Associate Minister Kirk McKenzie. Hi, my name's David and I'm a volunteer here at St. John's. Today, I will be bringing you the Bible reading from Jeremiah 23, verses 15 to 32. Therefore, this is what the Lord Almighty says concerning the prophets. I will make them eat bitter food and drink poisoned water, because from the prophets of Jerusalem, ungodliness has spread throughout the land. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Do not listen to what the prophets are prophesying to you. They fill you with false hopes. They speak visions from their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. They keep saying to those who despise me, the Lord says, you will have peace. And to all who follow the stubbornness of their hearts, they say, no harm will come to you. But which of them has stood in the counsel of the Lord to see or hear his word? Who has listened and heard his word? See, the storm of the Lord will burst out in wrath, a whirlwind swirling down on the heads of the wicked. The anger of the Lord will not turn back until he fully accomplishes the purpose of his heart. In days to come, you will understand it clearly. I did not send these prophets, yet they will have run in their message. I did not speak to them, yet they have prophesied. But if they had stood in my counsel, they would have proclaimed my words to my people and would have turned them from their evil ways and their evil deeds. I am only a God nearby, declares the Lord, and not a God from far away. Who can hide in secret places so I cannot see them, declares the Lord. Do not I fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord. I have heard what the prophets say, who prophecy lies in my name. They say, I had a dream, I had a dream. How long will this continue in the hearts of these lying prophets? who prophesy the delusions of their own minds. They dream the dreams they tell one another. They think the dreams they tell one another will make my people forget their name, just as their ancestors forgot my name through Baal worship. Let the prophet who has a dream recount the dream, but let the one who has, who has my word speak it faithfully, for... What has straw to do with grain, declares the Lord. It is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks a rock in pieces. Therefore, declares the Lord, I am against the prophets who steal from one another words supposedly from me. Yes, declares the Lord, I am against the prophets who wag in their own tongues and yet declare. The Lord declares, indeed, I am against those who profess prophecy false dreams, declares the Lord. They tell them and lead my people astray with their reckless lies. Yet I did not send or appoint them. They do not benefit these people in the least, declares the Lord. Well, what an interesting passage we've got to discuss today here in Jeremiah 23. Please do have it open in front of you if you've got it available. The passage is basically one big smackdown from God against false 
profits. And we're going to look at it in a lot of detail. But first, it's worth talking about what a true prophet is. A true prophet is someone who hears from God, hears a message from God that needs to be shared with other people. Now, Jeremiah, who the book of the Bible is named after, is a good example of a true prophet. We've been looking at some of his prophecies throughout this series. And he was someone who did hear, legitimately hear from God, messages that needed to be shared. And that's good, right? Like we, we believe God exists and we believe that God is active in the world, that he knows everything. And what's more, we believe that God loves us. And so, of course, if you believe that God loves us, you want to hear from him and you want to know what he thinks about our life and you want to hear some advice from God. So prophecy is a great thing. And hearing true prophecy, true words from God uh, is a fantastic thing. So that's good, right? We want prophets in our life. What we don't want is false prophets. We don't want people who are getting that role wrong. And it seemed like in Jeremiah's time, there were a bunch of people who were known in the community as prophets, who were people who were supposed to, supposedly hearing from God, but who were just doing a rubbish job at it, who were hopeless at being prophets. And so this passage is a scathing report from God against these people. The image in verse 28 sums it up nicely, gives us two images of food, uh, but you've got straw and you've got grain. Now, one of these is nourishing to the human body and one of them isn't. Grain can be used to make delicious things like bread and hot crust buns and these sort of things, uh, which can be really good for humans. And straw, which is, I mean, you can eat it, but it's, it's not good for us. I mean, it's animal food, right? And so basically God's saying, well, true prophets are going to give you grain. They're going to give you stuff that's good for you. False prophets are going to give you stuff that's better off being fed to cows or pigs. And so what I want to do to, with today's talk is let's hear the warning of the past because this stuff happened over 2,000 years ago. But this is the warning that God gave way back then. Let's hear that warning so that we can be well equipped to hear uh, from God in an effective, helpful way today. Because we do believe that God still speaks to God prophetically today. And we want to be able to do that well as a church. So I'm going to outline four characteristics of false prophets as given to us in today's passage in Jeremiah chapter 23. Now, the first characteristic is probably pretty obvious, but it's worth mentioning uh, straight up front, and that is that false prophets haven't actually heard from God. This is outlined in verse 18 and again in verse 21. God says, I did not send these prophets, yet they have run with their message. I did not speak to them, yet they have prophesied. And then later in verse 25 and verse 26, God says, they just make stuff up. They lie to the people. Now, I guess we could give them the benefit of the doubt. And we could say, maybe some of these people who are false prophets, uh, both back then and today, are mistaken. Maybe they genuinely believe that they have heard a message from God and they've just got it wrong. Maybe they had a dream that's just a normal dream that any of us could have, and they've wrongly connected it 
with God. Or maybe they've read into circumstances wrong and they're just mistaken. They do think that they're sharing a message from God, but they're just wrong. But also, if you're a bit cynical, and I'm cynical sometimes, you might think of it this way. You've got people who believe in God. You've got people who know that God loves them. You've got people who want to hear from God. And you are in a position where they believe that you hear from God. You're known as a prophet. Won't there be a temptation to use that in a selfish way? Won't there be a temptation to tell people things that are going to favour you and favour the people that are close to you? Won't there be a temptation to give them messages that are going to keep your power in the community? I'm sure that that happened. Well, certainly that's a criticism that God's making. And I'm sure that that will be a temptation for people today. First characteristic of a false prophet is that they haven't heard from God. The second characteristic we see from a, a false prophet comes in verse 16. God says this, Do not listen to what the prophets are prophesying to you. They fill you with false hopes. So this second characteristic of false prophets is they fill people with false hope. Now this was really evident in our time during the United States elections last year. Now, Believe me, I am sick of talking about United States politics and I've been over it for a long time, well before the elections. But it was just, it was such a perfect example in our recent history that I thought, I can't think of a better example. So I'm going to use it today. Lots of people, no, not lots of people, there are a number of examples of Christian leaders coming out and saying that they'd heard from God who was going to win the United States election. And many of them turned out to be wrong in one way or another. They just said, God's told me this person's going to win. So it turned out that they hadn't heard from God. It was just guesswork and they guessed wrong. And unfortunately, what that does is obviously it presented people with false hope. In, if people were hoping that that person would win, then they their hopes were shattered. But also it it presents a picture of the church more generally that makes us look stupid. And so if you're watching today and you're not a follower of Jesus, but you picked up these predictions by Christians, you know, these prophecies, uh, you know, through the internet or through other circles that you move in, I would understand if you started to become cynical about Christianity uh, more generally or just go, what, what's the deal with these Christians? What are they on about? What I want to let you know is that when we look at prophecy in the Bible and we look at the way God critiques the prophets in passages like this one and in other places, this sort of guesswork prophecy simply is not the way prophecy works throughout all of the Bible. And particularly when we look at the way Jesus and Jesus' followers get us to think about prophecy. To be fair, there are prophecies in the Bible that... Um, do predict the future, that do say these things are going to happen. Not all prophecies like that, but there is some. And because it happened a long time ago, you know, it was predicted, say, 3,000 years ago, we can see that some of it has happened. And so we can be encouraged that, like, hey, those things that were predicted, many of those things have happened. But it's not like, hey, I'm the prophet, 
I predicted this thing's going to happen in a couple of years and then it did. And so now I look great. All prophecy is about people's relationship with God, people's relationship with each other and the relationship with the world more broadly and that those and the value of those relationships and how God wants those relationships to grow and to thrive and to improve in love. So when it's just guesswork about this event's going to happen, this thing's going to happen, and it's completely disconnected from loving relationship, that's when we need to get really sceptical because it's just kind of, well, as I said, it's just guesswork. It's very inconsistent with the purpose of prophecy, which is always to push people towards loving relationship with God and loving relationship with people. Or if we're if we're heading in the opposite direction to that, if we're heading into evil, to pull us back away from evil and into those loving relationships. So if prophecy is doing that, if it's drawing us towards loving relationship and pulling us away from evil, it's usually worth listening to. If it's just guesswork about the future, then personally, I'm really sceptical about it because uh, it's often in big danger of just presenting false hope. Now, I can, at a very low level, sympathise with people who do this sort of guesswork prophecy, even though they are false prophets, because I understand if people are low on hope, particularly in a year like 2020, that you want to give people hope. If they're hoping for a certain outcome, I understand that you want to encourage them that, hey, that outcome's going to happen. But of course, if you're wrong and that outcome doesn't happen, you've lied to them you've deceived them and things get even worse. So it's not it's just wrong to claim that God's told you that's going to happen when he hasn't. So that's the second characteristic of a false prophet uh, that they give us false hope. Third characteristic is that false prophets give thumbs up to God's enemies. We see this in verse 17. God says, they keep saying to those who despise me, the Lord says, you will have peace. And to all who follow the stubbornness of their hearts, they say, no harm will come to you. You see, Jeremiah, who was the true prophet in that time, his message from God was a really challenging one to hear. You know, people didn't really like what Jeremiah was saying because it was hard. He was basically saying, guys, we've got a lot of problems. God is not happy with the way a lot of the things are going. He's not happy with a lot of our behavior. We need to make a lot of change. We're actually doing a lot of evil. And people are like, oh, shut up, Jeremiah. We don't want to hear this. We have to change heaps of what we're doing. It's just, just, can you just leave us alone? We're quite happy with carrying on with the way things are. And Jeremiah was like a pest. He was like, change, change, change. We need to stop doing this stuff. And so he was not popular and he brought a, a difficult message to hear. The false prophets were not like that. The false prophets brought a message that was much more like, oh, carry on, everybody. Well done. Everything's going great. Continue. Uh, they just told people what they wanted to hear. And this is a feature of false prophets, is that they're very unlikely to challenge the status quo. They're much more likely to just continue on with what people are doing, particularly the evil that people are doing. Now, look. Humans being what we are, there's always going to be something to challenge. You know, 
sure, there'll probably be things that we're doing good, but there'll always be something going on that needs change. We're, we're just prone to evil. That's what, what we're like. We're going to be having something that God's going to be wanting us to be examining and to being, being repenting of and to be turning away from. So if a prophet is only telling us, good job, keep at it, and never challenging us, that's when you start going, oh, hang on, I'm, this person might be a false prophet. The evidence in verse 22 that there are false prophets is that the people stay in their evil ways. You know, we're doing what the prophets tell us to do and evil is continuing. Well, there's a problem. So that's the third characteristic. The final characteristic of a false prophet that we see here in Jeremiah chapter 23, uh, and this is perhaps the main one, we see it in verse 32, is that the prophecies of false prophets don't actually benefit people. Let's read all of verse 32 because uh, it's a nice kicker here at the end of our passage. This is what God says. Indeed, I am against those who prophesy false dreams. They tell them and lead my people astray with their reckless lies. Yet I did not send or appoint them. And here's the real kicker. They do not benefit these people in the least. This is the main problem, isn't it? If you do what the false prophets are telling you that God wants you to do, you don't actually get any long-term benefit from it because they're lying to you, because their motivations are not pure. They're not actually telling you a message from the all-knowing, all-powerful God who loves you. They're just making stuff up. They're probably selfishly motivated. At the very least, they're deluded. So it's not going to work out for you long term. Now, uh, a couple of examples. I've seen this happen with friends and, and certainly heard more stories uh, secondhand about this as well. Sometimes what happens is that someone does a prophecy where they go, uh, this is the person that you're going to marry or this is the career uh, that God wants you to take. And if people take that on board 100%, they reorganize their life in that direction and they go, all right, well, that's what God wants me to do, so that's what I'm going to do. And so they invest all their time and their energy and their focus assuming that that's the case. And if that turns out to be false, then obviously there's a lot of disappointment, confusion, bitterness towards that person who's told them that, uh, towards God. But also it's just been a waste of time. A waste of all that energy and that focus that you maybe invested months or even years in heading your life in that direction hasn't benefited the person who heard that false word of prophecy. Ultimately, false prophets do not benefit the people who listen to them. So we have these four characteristics of false prophets in Jeremiah chapter 23. Now, there are other characteristics of false prophets that we can find elsewhere in the Bible, but these were the four that stood out to me preparing from this passage. How can we be alert to false prophets today? As we said, we do want to hear from God. We do believe that God is good, that he loves every single person watching here today. Um, but we want to hear from God well, and we want to avoid the mistakes of the past. Well, here's what I'd recommend. If someone comes to you and they say, or comes to us as a group, and they say, 
think I've got a, a word from God. What we want to do is have a healthy skepticism as we listen to that. Now, please hear that it's a healthy skepticism. It's not an outright dismissal. So if someone does say, I've heard a word from God, we don't go, oh, rubbish, I'm not listening to this. That's not a healthy skepticism. That's just a bad attitude, <laughs> right? We want to have a generous attitude to the person who's sharing because we want to hear from God. Um, but we do want to be able to test what that person is saying to us. And we have an excellent tool for that, which is the Bible. This is God's word written down for us over centuries. God's people, it's been well tested. There's a whole lot of uh, yeah, evidence and so on. It's been well worked through. It's a very, very reliable document. Um, and it's what God's people have turned to for um, you know, thousands of years. And so what we can do is go, well, no word from God is going to contradict what's written down in the Bible. And particularly, it's not going to contradict the life and the teaching of Jesus. So we hear this word from the person who's come and shared with us, and then we test it against the Bible and we go, does it actually contradict what's written down? If it does, then we can be really sceptical about what's been shared. But if it's consistent, if it lines up with biblical teaching, then we can be really open to going, well, maybe this, this message is from God, and we can be really open to applying that to our own lives. So that's what we can, that's the attitude we can have when people are sharing with us. But what about if you get the sense that you've heard from God a message that you need to share with others? Well, with that, we want to have a deep humility in the way we go about sharing that with other people. Now, this happens to me every now and then. It's not a daily occurrence, but, you know, on average, a couple of times a year, I do get the sense that God's gives me a message that I need to share with other people. And a couple of times I've shared that uh, with our church. And so how do we do that in a way that is humble, in a way that's helpful for the people who are going to hear it? Well, with a deep humility, we don't want to get any sense that we're showing off, that we're the special person, uh, yeah, that we're the one that's like, you know, putting ourselves above others or putting ourselves up at being at God's level. No, I'm not any more special than anyone else. You're not more special than anyone else. And so we want to come come at that um, with a really healthy level of humility. So here's, let me give you a scenario. Say you're in a life group situation. So these are our small group meetings that uh, meet in homes throughout the week. And say you feel like God's got a a message to share with the group. Here's how you might go about it. This is just a, a possible way you might do it. You go, all right, I feel like I've got this message. Maybe find someone in the group that you know is well-respected in the group, they know the Bible pretty well, and just share it with them first and go, hey, what do you reckon about this? Does this seem consistent with the Bible to you? Um, do you have any concerns about this message that it might be inconsistent with God's word, that it might not be on the right track? And see what they think. And if they raise any concerns, and you can talk those through. But if they think it's pretty good, um, then you might go to the leader of that life group and talk about possibility of sharing that with the group and how what would be the best way to do that in an appropriate, helpful way with the group um, so that they can hear it and so that they can test it as well together. Uh, and again, if it seems like it's consistent with God's word, the group then has an opportunity to talk about how they can apply it to their own life. 
again, you're not setting yourself on a pedestal. You're not putting pressure on people, uh, you know, or, or springing it on them, but you're doing it out of a level of humility. And personally, what I like to do when I share these things is to admit that I'm not perfect and that I'm not all knowing and that I could be wrong. So I like to say, look, I get the sense that God's sharing this with me. I could be wrong about this, but I wanted to share it because I think it's important to share it because I do think genuinely that God has given me this message to share. So hopefully that's helpful in both hearing a word from God through someone else as well as sharing a word from God with someone else. Uh, having a healthy skepticism, but also sharing with deep humility. Because what we want to do uh, and learn the message today is to learn the message from the past, from Jeremiah 23, so we can be well equipped to hear from God today. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek.